Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Chumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to Chumbacasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Blog Talk Radio. Hello and welcome to Saja Radio. This is Sri Srinivasan, co-founder of Saja, the South Asian Journalist Association, talking to you from Saja headquarters at Columbia University. Today's guest is Sandeep Junarkar, Saja's brand new president, but longtime member. Sandeep is a professor of new media at the City University of New York Graduate School of Journalism and is one of the country's best-known experts on online journalism and online media. Today we'll be talking about his work and his vision for Saja. Uh, a note of explanation here, he's been on the Saja board for a couple of years, as we'll hear from him, I'm sure, and as of December uh, was as part of the new election process, was re-elected to the board, and then at the end of January, at a board meeting, was elected Saja's president. Uh, welcome to the show, Sandeep. Shri, thanks so much for having me. And uh, we are going to just have an informal conversation here. We People can call in and chat with us as well. They can call 347-324-5991. And we also have a chat room and we have a couple of people there already. Uh, guests, thank you for joining us. Please, please feel free to type in any questions in the chat room for uh, Sandeep. We will also be posting all of this uh, on our website. So uh, looking forward to having you joining us and uh, uh, <clears throat> sorry, having you join us and make this a real conversation with Sandeep. So Sandeep, first of all, congratulations. Uh, why become president now? Well, th thank you very uh, much. Um... Well, you know, Saja has been so important in my career, and I've seen others benefited as well um, over the years. And it has been growing, growing, as you know, since you founded it in the mid-90s. And you keep reaching different stages. Now established, but we have to keep growing, bring in members, offer more programs, strengthen the programs that we have. Uh, the previous leadership, uh, uh, Hajela and uh, Vikas Bajaj, have done a fantastic job over the last few years, um, and we have to build on the momentum that they've created in um, establishing and strengthening these different programs, like Saja Reporting Fellowship, the Wharton Awards um, for Business Journalists, which uh, you might recall was only offered to Saja before, but now we... Uh, administer those awards for all the different minority journalism organizations like NAJ, NAHJ, etc. So it's, um, it's a fantastic time. I'm very excited uh, to, to be in this position now. Uh, let's talk a little bit about your work and uh, your journey in journalism. Uh, you've been now at the new journalism school at CUNY. First of all, how are things going at CUNY? Oh, they're going really well. It's 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 great to be part of a team when something is literally being built ground up and so there there are obviously some um 
growing pains, but uh, there's also great excitement about the direction that you're going in. Um, one of the, the things that I really enjoy is that being so new, you're establishing the culture for the atmosphere. And one of the things we're trying to do is stay innovative in thinking and actually carrying out things. Over the years, the previous schools that part of or had a chance to look at, sometimes there's a little bit of stagnation at my previous uh, university, and, and there's a lot of territoriality, but trying to work through, not let that kind of a culture set in. Well, the politics at universities are very famous. It's very famous to have a lot of politics and and uh, territorialism. So you're saying you've uh, managed to avoid some of that? Um, we are working on avoiding it, and it, it's working out because, see, that's the thing. It's a, it's a brand-new school. You can literally – How uh, Not everyone will know. Tell us how new. Uh, it began um, fall of 2006. Oh. The first class graduated December 2007. Uh, this, it's a three-semester program with an internship uh, during the summer that's required, uh, you know, subsidizes part of it through a grant from the Knight Foundation as well. So here's something important. I want some of the students here to try to um, work for the ethnic press, South Asian ethnic And if there are smaller news organizations out there who can't afford to pay an intern, uh, the school is actually willing to subsidize the internship up to $3,000. Is it postgraduate or a summer internship? It's, 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 a, it's a summer internship. It's between the three-semester program, so this internship comes after the second semester, but prior to the final. I think. And uh, uh, what, are, what are your courses, and what are you, you specifically, what are you working on? Um, I am working on a couple of different courses, one, one of three courses actually, there's Fundamentals of Interactive Journalism. That course, all students have to take it, and it's literally a, a way that if you wind up at a newspaper or television station, there are certain skills required from the internet, writing style, ability to use different types of technologies from orders to video to using different forms of technologies on social media or search engines. How does that affect our writing? They they do all of that. And then the second semester, there's a called Online One. Now we're just getting more in-depth on all of that. Um, we're working – Online One is more about collaboration. So you work in teams to create uh, – to cover news for the web. And the final semester is uh, – more of an online feature course. How do you produce one very big feature piece of that interlinked pieces? And how do you do this in a solo, as a solo journalist as well, rather than a second semester where you can collect? And is that hard to uh, get students to focus on that? Uh, you mean on the on the final yeah. project? Well, um, I, I guess it could be a struggle any course, but when the students, the students who are very much uh, interested and focused, they do they do really well. I mean, a lot of the students well went well beyond what the requirements were, Jack, in terms of number 
interviewed, number of produced pieces created for the web versus just raw material. So, you know, it um, it, it worked out pretty well. That's great. Uh, and uh, what is your own background? Uh, uh, what were you doing before you got here, and what have you done before? Right. Uh, well, the, the funny thing is, uh, I, as an undergrad at uh, uh, the University of California at Berkeley, I studied social sciences with emphasis in psychology. When I graduated, I worked at um, uh, Napa State Hospital. It was criminally insane ward. These were people who were in prison uh, but had some major mental issues, psychiatric issues, and uh, wound up at Napa State Hospital. I worked with them there. Then I continued to work mental health field. And little by little, I just became very much drawn to journalism. And I didn't think about it as journalism. I just realized that I really enjoyed talking to people and finding out about their lives, how they got to where they are now, where they plan to go. So I started interviewing people in the Bay Area uh, of South Asian origin, mathematicians, students, uh, a police officer at the, at the, uh, in the Berkeley Police Department who happened to be Gujarati, um, and just started compiling these, uh, <clears throat> these interviews. And then someone one day said, hey, it looks like uh, you want to be a journalist. I was like, oh, oh, yeah, I, yeah, I'd like to be a journalist. So then I applied to, um, at some point, I applied to the uh, Columbia Graduate School of Journalism. I think that that year was your first year there as a, as a professor. So you're actually a very influential professor on my life. So um, I was uh, there and had a great experience. Uh, that was the time when, uh, there was no new media program. I think the new media program began the year after I left. And uh, But you had put together a new media weekend, and I better go to this. Things are changing. And obviously it had a major impact um, on me, and, and the field has gone in that direction as well. Graduated from Columbia, I started working um, at Times, which was Times AOL, and this was before they actually had a full website? That, that's right. It was, wow. uh, it was a little room um, on a floor. I can't remember what floor it was in the old times headquarters, but it was a place where the carpet ran out, and there was like a garbage chute nearby. And the joke was that you know, online thing didn't work out, that they would just take you know, the four or five of us and toss us down the chute. <laughs> And uh, but obviously it's expanded and now they have. And this was again what year? This is the summer of ninety four. Ninety four. At the yeah. end of ninety four, mm. uh, early ninety five, um, and then began working at nytimes.com, uh, and they had a thing called Cyber Times. Time I, I started writing articles that basically dealt with the intersection of technology and people's how medicine how technology is changing the way doctors practice, patients expect. Um, I, I, I really was interested in that intersection and did a lot of writing for them, that subject. I was also a producer for them. So basically, in those days, it was um, shovelware, basically. 
took the newspaper and posted it online, but it had just started changing where we started doing chats and uh, more f posting more photos than there. I'd cut video, and you know, we'd look at the numbers, and barely anyone was watching videos because they were all on the 28K dial-up <laughs> or 56K dial-up. And uh, but we just figured we'd keep doing it because it's and it would catch on. And I guess it did, huh? And it so. <laughs> did in a big way. Yeah. So you, how long were you at the Times? Uh, till 1998, and then I switched uh, to an internet-only news organization called CNETnews.com, where I worked till 2003. But I began as a reporter there, covering the tech industry out of New York. This is in the dot-com boom days, huh? In the dot-com, right? And and in 2000. One, um, sorry, in 2000, they made me the New York bureau chief. Had a small staff of, uh, had a had a great time covering more in-depth pieces as well about impact of technology on different industries. So again, I carried that theme kind of coverage. I like. And uh, and then you went from there to you after becoming bureau chief, you did that for a while, and then you became an academic. Yes, and you know pretty much uh, an academic who continued practice, which was very important. I went to Indiana University in Bloomington as a visiting professor. I um, was living in a very laid-back town, very laid-back. You had to remember to not get in, impatient with waiters or anything like that if they didn't bring you there bring you any water because that's just the pace there was there. But I was living kind of in a New York time in a New York schedule where I started freelancing for the times was doing a lot of work with Saja and things were much busier than for most people in that area. But, uh, you know, it it was nice to live in a different place. Uh, I've only grown up basically Large cities, and you know, at that very international cities, Delhi and Bombay and London, Paris, New York, San Francisco, and then said, you know, should try Bloomington. Let's see what it's like in the heartland of the country. Well, why did you move around so much? Uh, my dad, uh, my dad's business took him different places. He worked for the government of Bank of India. They would transfer into different banks, different locations. As part of a team that opened San Francisco, the manager of the branch and then came to New York as well. Tell us about uh, kind of growing up all over the world. What did that teach you about life? Well, I'll tell you, when I was moving that way, and it's probably an experience, similar experience to yours perhaps, but I, I didn't like it at, as we were moving because we literally moved every two to three years. And uh, you, know, you had to make a new set of friends, learn new languages, different cultures. But looking back on it, now, I think that it was really good. It taught me to feel comfortable with different types of people in different cultural settings. Uh, and again, going back to this, being interested in talking to people, this saw people living in different ways and yet being very similar to each other as well. And that um that kind of insight can help a journalist sure to realize that we are very similar yet we're very different from each other and there's a lot to learn from each other 
get that interview. And uh, let's talk uh, about Saja a little bit directly. Uh, tell us how you first got involved and uh, what you think that uh, Saja's role is in all this kind of changing media landscape. Right. Well, you know, looking back on Saja when I was in New York in the 90s, I wish I had been more. got very much sucked into all the deadlines that I had to try to meet some of the management issues that I had to deal with as well. But um, the, the thing that really got me more and more into Saja at some point in applying for the, the awards. Yeah, you won we, multiple awards, right? Yeah, won a, won a few of those awards. And I noticed, win an award and get better stories at work, Get uh, you get better interviews. Um, and it obviously made a difference. And, and I wanted to become, I wanted to do more with Saja. And, and at that point, I think in my career, which a lot of members are in, you're in a growth phase. You, you're trying to establish yourself. And for me, Saja at that point was important because it helped establish me as a journalist. So at that time, I was taking from Saja. And um, I think, you know, there's nothing wrong with that, that that is, that what that is one of Saja's roles to help members, and you know I won a scholarship through Saja for the Wharton Award scholarship for business journalists, um, and uh, at some point you feel like, wow, you know I am established as a journalist now. What can I give back? So I started with being a mentor, a younger journalist, and at some point uh, wound up being recruited or joining the board, the Saja board. And of course, once you join the Saja board, you really get a sense of uh, how great and how varied the types of programs and outreach that uh, Saja tries to do on a regular basis. And, uh, you know, as the president, I completely see that there are a group of journalists who are established and we need to help them get to the next level in terms of management skills, in terms of moving up the ladder at uh, news organizations. And there are the people who are trying to establish themselves. They they want to um, <clears throat> get that kind of assistance from Saja as well. And yet there are also members who become established enough who can then start partaking and helping Saja grow as well with whatever skills they have and whatever ways they want to volunteer as well. Um, I just want to tell people one last thing in a way that Saja helped me that I had no idea it was going to help me in this way, but um, at some point I became, 2004, I had become the Saja Awards Committee Chair. I, I had no idea, but I was on the stage <clears throat> 2006 with, I'm sorry, in 2005 with uh, this gentleman who's editor-in-chief of Business Week, Shepard, and he was, uh, he had, um, had nothing to do with me. He had one executive board, I believe, had decided to give him a, a uh, Lifetime lead Leadership Award. And while I decided a leadership award, yeah. yeah. And uh, <clears throat> while I was on the stage, he had, um, during his acceptance speech, he had talked about 
how he had attended uh, the public school system had attended Bronx Science. I get on the stage with him. We're handing out awards to people. I leaned over and I said, oh, you know, my wife went to uh, Bronx Science as well. And he said, oh, what you started talking. And he had, during his acceptance speech, he had talked about how he was creating this new graduate school of journalism, CUNY Graduate School of Journalism. So at some point I leaned over and I said, you know, I, I teach interactive journalism media. Visiting professor at IU, we handed out a few more. Then he leaned over and said, how much longer are you visiting there? <laughs> and, and I said, oh, just another year. He said, well, you know, we're starting up in a year. And so right there on the Saja <laughs> stage in front of a thousand members and, and, and their friends, there was this networking going on, which is one of the very, very important roles Saja plays members. Yeah. And I wound up having lunch with him, and and uh, over the course of a very slow academic six months, getting job offer. I have to thank Saja for that as well. So just on that basis, you've got to uh, put give back to Saja. That's, so, right. That's <laughs> right. And that goes to show that no matter you know how established you become, you can help Saja, and Saja can help. Well, that's a great uh, thought for our uh, our members uh, and for others. Uh, let's talk a little bit about uh, what, what what kind of ideas you have going forward. Uh, we're doing this series of conversations. We already met Anusha Srivastava, Saja's secretary. Tomorrow we're doing this with uh, uh, Vivi Ganesh Anantan, the Saja's new vice president. What Tell us what ideas you have, kind of big picture things. Right. Um, I mean, a couple of things for our members, again, talking about what we offer them. I, I think we need to just clarify that for people. Right now, go to the Saja site, everything's available for everyone. What is the reason for them to join and become more active, become more active? I have to try to figure out how to um, make them see the value of a membership beyond just the website. So some of the things that were uh, that I want to work on for a lot of these um, book uh, readings and discussions, I want to try to uh, start webcasting those uh, more and more. Have them available, perhaps as video, live video for members, and and then archive them later for people who uh, aren't members but may be enticed to become members as well. Uh, some of the other things I want to work on. You know, a lot of these. The price of technology is dropping for sure, but journalists need more and more of it now. Digital recorders, HD cameras, still cameras. Uh, and um, I want to approach some uh, companies and talk to them about offering members uh, a discount for these technologies as well. Now, there are companies um, that technology companies or, or retail stores that already have these programs for other nonprofit organizations where they offer a 10% discount uh, for, for products. Now, that, that could be a great way to bring uh, Saja members and journalists into uh, becoming more tech savvy and have the equipment to do the kind of multimedia reporting that's becoming more and more important. Now, they have that those instruments, the, the, the equipment, and that dovetails very nicely with the Saja Convention, where we have multimedia storytelling, we have um, broadcast storytelling, and all these things uh, with all the different 
fields of journalism slowly merging on the web, if not already, that's the kind of training hands-on that they'll be able to do um, with their own equipment. As you know, a lot of newsrooms um, are uh, shrinking and uh, they don't offer as much training anymore uh, to people. And that's the kind of role that Saja can play. And if we can help uh, get discounts for our members to become uh, tech-equipped to do the kind of reporting that's important for the web, I think that will be a great thing uh, for Saja. Some of the other things, as um, as the president, you have to do a lot of behind-the-scenes work as well. And I, and I want to strive to make the organization just run efficiently. A lot of things are behind the scene, but the, the conventions always come off really well, but there can be a, a scramble times. And Sugi and I and the previous vice president, Kaz Bajaj, and all work together to kind of create timelines. And it sounds kind of not as exciting, but some of the things that you have to do to, to run an organization smoothly. Uh, fundraising is going to be another issue. I think Saja is growing bigger and bigger. The programs <clears throat> are um, established several programs from the Saja Reporting Fellowship, the awards, the scholarships. I think we can probably do more, but uh, we need to make sure that these aren't programs that will exist for a couple of years while we have the money, and then they will fade away as money as we draw down on Counts? No, we to fundraise in a systematic way in order to create endowments from which we can dip off the interest, but fund fund a lot of these programs through that as well. So we'll be working with Saja Treasurer on that as well, John Lakshmi, to make sure that we do that as well. Uh, this is all great stuff, uh, Sandeep. Uh, tell us how people can contact you and uh, share their ideas. Well, if you go to the Saja website, saja.org, you can click under uh, Members, Profiles, and, and uh, my name there. There's an email address there. If you want one right off the bat right here, Sandeep at journalism.cuny.edu. And, of course, you can Google me as well and then send me an email at me. Well, well, that's great. We have just a couple of minutes left. I uh, wanted to uh, get a, uh, get you to talk about your other big project that you have, the Lives in Focus. Yeah. Um, well, you know, as I said, I, I wanted to keep practicing journalism, journalism as an academic. And, and at one point, I'd gone to India in 2004, and I'd done some background research for the Ford Foundation about HIV AIDS, some of the big issues that were coming up. One of the things that I learned during that process was patent law idea were about to change, that they were going to become the same as the trade organizations pattern patent law. I, when, when it actually changed in 2005, I was actually just going to write a magazine piece or something like that for traditional media. And I said, you know what, I've been teaching all this online stuff, let me just push ahead with this, if I can create something. I wound up posting a proposal on the web about covering, going and talking to the people 
affected by these changes, specifically people who are HIV positive, and posted this thing on the web. I let some bloggers know about it. Bloggers posted it on their site, and a couple of days, not even a couple, a couple of hours later, I got a call from the BBC that they interview me project I was working. So you can see the correlation between traditional media and new media. Uh, the BBC was looking around for story ideas on the web, on blogs. And I interviewed them and and the moment I interviewed with them, all of a sudden the PayPal button started lighting up the site as well. we wound up raising about three uh, $8,000 in a week. So again, New media depending on traditional media and traditional media depending on new media. Um, and with that money, I mean, it wasn't much, but we did a really grassroots reporting project. Uh, Srinivas Kuraganti and I went to India. We stayed with other journalists in India, and we wound up interviewing all kinds of people that the traditional mainstream press doesn't interview that often, or if they do, they, it turns out to be very much snippets or sound bites case, spent a lot of time with HIV positive, talking again about their lives and their struggles and their hopes. Interviewed this one woman, this one young woman, married at 14, pregnant at 15. Her husband was dead when she was 16. She was HIV positive. And she talked about what it was like to within HIV positive. We interviewed her mother was only 30 years old, but she's a grandmother. Sandeep, I'm sorry, I'll have to stop there. We're running out of time. Uh, the people can learn about all of this at livesinfocus.org. That's right. And uh, we're going to be expecting uh, to be in regular touch with you and uh, having you communicate with the members of Saja and the larger Saja community. Fantastic. Thank you so much for this opportunity. Okay. Bye-bye. Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Jumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to Chumbacasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.